This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hello and welcome to Life Made Better. Just recently, we did our Facebook Live in our group, Your Best Life. If you want to join us, you feel free to, to look us up. But we interview Lee Clavin Grant, who was an attendee of our last course, Empowered to Thrive. And this conversation proved to be very valuable for the members in our group. And we thought that the learnings that came up during our conversation were definitely worth sharing with all of you. So this is why we've taken this conversation and put it in the podcast format. So we hope that you enjoy listening to all of us, listening to all the amazing learnings and vulnerable sharing that Lee shared with, with us all. And if you were listening to this conversation, if you feel inspired or at least intrigued or curious about the things that she was mentioning, we also want to let you know that we will be kicking off our next cohort of the Empowered to Thrive in September. So please do reach out if you think this will be a fit for you. The doors to join us are now open. So please apply, come to us, let us know that this might be something that you could be interested in. Uh, we would love to hear from you and help you out. We also offer an early bird discount, which will be available until July the 4th. So please, if you're thinking of joining us, do not hesitate. Our past courses have been sold out very quickly. So we do not want you to miss out on the opportunity if you think that this will be for you. Please do enjoy this conversation. I think it's great learnings about, particularly as women, what it means to be superwoman and actually question whether we want to be it or not. Uh, what are the examples that society is, uh, is throwing at us? What are we learning and not learning? And most importantly, I think it was a raw conversation about checking in with ourselves and truly honoring and acknowledging who we are, what we want, and understanding that we do deserve it, to go for it and to not settle for a life that is good when you can have a life that is great. In other words, to not just be surviving but know that you can be thriving. Thank you very much for joining us today. And please do listen to our conversation. We are live. If anybody is joining us, apologies for the couple of minutes delay. As, as I was trying to explain, I am not the techie one. Uh, happiness, <laughs> all you want, techie, get in there. Uh, but hopefully we are live streaming to you all. Uh, and we've got the amazing lovely kind humble extremely talented and creative lee clavin grant oh, with you. us lee thank you so much for joining us uh, okay. it is such a pleasure to have you lee was part of our last cohort of the group uh empowered to thrive the course that we do uh so we thought it would be great to have her live with us today to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, where she was when she decided to join us, hopefully any learnings that she's had throughout the course, 
um, any highlights, any, you know, nuggets that you want to share. But most importantly, I think we are at a time where we are still a bit uncertain. We don't know what the pandemic and the situation is going to present to us. Um, a lot of people decided to sort of put their life on hold for that period until we kind of knew um, a little bit better what's going to happen. And then I think the realization came that this pandemic was here to stay. It wasn't going to be a couple of months. It was was shaping up to be like two years. Um, and so I think there was also that sort of underlying knowledge of, okay, if we want to do something, the time is now. We can't continue to to hold still, which is something that Fleur and I keep, uh, you know, keep hearing from our our clients, friends, family, is that sort of limbo period where we want to be, we want to do, but we don't quite know whether we are prepared to do it. So we thought it would be a great conversation to be had with you, with you as well. So Lee, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I wish that introduction was so amazing. I wish I could make it my alarm clock every day. <laughs> So that kind of announcement, I am awake now. The well, it's, it's being awesome. recorded. It's being recorded. I'll take it over. <laughs> thank you so much. So Lee, and you thank were, you. You were really, really um, great on the course. You came with your enthusiasm and many questions and curiosity. And would not shut up for what? <laughs> Every single week, which we loved. Um, oh, can you just tell us a little bit about you know, what took you to come on the course, made you make that step? So I think um, what I'm realizing, well, I think in, in the past couple of years, a lot of my, my kind of fellow uh, mothers who previously had careers and grew up with this mantra of, you know, the feminist before you made it possible for you to have a job and vote and do all this amazing stuff, as well as be a mother. So subconsciously, you feel like you kind of, owe them to do it all, to be amazing at it all, uh, to be perfect at it all. Um, and they kind of, and you kind of grown up on this diet of, of course you can do it. You're super awesome, super clever, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> parents have other ideas, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a different story. But I think culturally, I've been drinking this toxic Kool-Aid of, you know, Wonder Woman, pursue it all, et cetera, et cetera. And lo and behold, just before my 40th birthday, kaboom, <laughs> I had a complete nervous wreck. I remember calling you, Florin, going, do you have time for a cup of coffee on the common? Because I think I might be losing my mind. Um, <laughs> and, um, and just a complete, a complete wreck of just exhaustion. My body just refused to go on and shut down everything. And I think the final terrifying uh, uh, wake up was uh, when my emotions shut down. And anyone who knows me well knows I'm a very touchy feely, huggy kissy kind of person. And my kids are at the re high receiving end of that. And when I reached a point when I started not to feel that towards them, that scared the shit out of me. Um, and somebody very cleverly put it, they said, you've been burning the, the candle at both ends to the point that now your brain has kind of looked at the switchboard of your body and said, off, 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 off. We basically have only, you know, energy to run background digestion and sleep. <laughs> That's all we got <laughs> until you sort this stuff out. Um, so I got, you know, a little bit better sleep, et cetera. And then I went straight back into the, the, the hamster wheel. 
Um, and then COVID came. Uh, and I know this is an intensely privileged thing to say, but it was actually a blessing in disguise uh, for me because it put a strong halt on the fashion career that I had been pursuing and, and, uh, and returning to after having designed babies <laughs> for, for nine years. And um, when the whole world shut down, together with the frustration, viscerally in my body, I felt relief. Um, and I'd always grown up, my father always told me, listen to your gut, it is your best friend. It will, oh, doesn't, you don't have to justify it to anyone but listen to your gut always. And yet to an extent you kind of feel things here or there, but then society sends you other messages saying, you know, oh, but it's nonsense and don't make a fuss and don't dwell and, uh, and kind of stiff upper lip your way through life. Um, and I'd been ignoring my body so long that I started to have all kinds of uncomfortable, you know, conditions. Like I, I felt physically like I couldn't take a full lung breath for the best part of a year and a half, I think. Um, and it was in a constant state of just, just being ignored. And I think, Fleur bless you, that at, at some stage you said, we're running this workshop and um, I think you should come along. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I could only hear what other people were saying. And I thought, well, got nothing else to lose, frankly. <laughs> and I just felt like kind of like a deflated balloon or like a wet lettuce they say in England um, apathy just ap I had apathy towards everything could not give a flying flip about anything anymore except for my kids they were healthy my husband they're healthy family friends but it was just like contempt and, uh, and apathy and that's not like me at all uh, I even started to hate creativity, which was my lifeblood up until then. Um, and through these amazing sessions, um, I think on the second one-to-one, -one, when we did our first somatic thing, I'd never come across somatic therapy before. And just, it made, it literally like my whole body woke up and went finally just sit down and listen and put the mind on a park bench somewhere and listen to what's going on inside. And it was painfully beautiful, even with all the pain it brought up, even with all the fears it brought up, it was, it was a kind of reconnection or relinking with a part of myself that I didn't realize how, not only important, how central it was to my well-being, how emotions can actually exist and be stored and relayed from the bottom up rather from the top down, which we've been brought up to, you know, put the brain on this pedestal of the know-all and end-all of anything. But in one of the 50,000 books that you recommended <laughs> to me that I've plowed through, that your body is your mind was literally mind-blowing. And my, my background, I should point out, before fashion was in biomedical science. So we were we had it drilled into us how important the brain is and how it controls X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. But no one ever stopped to say where the brain gets its information from because it was just somehow a given that we take in information from outside and nobody pointed out where's the information coming in from the inside. What about that? And what does that say about your emotional state and your social status and your reaction to all of that? And it was just, I think, 
the whole course was entirely entire like amazing but for that relationship that i now have with my body alone it was worth 10 times over mm. <laughs> so, um so yeah i think that's beautiful lee and i th- and i would like to unpack a few of the things you've said because in such minimal amount of time you've given us so much uh <laughs> that i think is amazing i think i would want to point out because you know fleur and i think you and i have commented at a number of times the majority of times whenever we speak to a potential client they come to us either in two ways the ones that have already spotted that they need help and they desperately want it and the ones that kind of know that there's something not quite right but oh, in the back yeah. of their head there's always the well that's life isn't it this is just normal mm-hmm. um and what i'm hearing is for you kind of like at the very beginning you had that feeling of well this is just maybe not okay but this is life and then you carried on until you got to a point where it was like vroom, all your system shut down and it was just not on one level it was body mind and soul i mean the three of us are mums and i think you know that love and and you know physical affection that you've got for your children it just comes naturally so i can't even imagine what it meant for you to just realize that i am just not feeling it i am not able to physically demonstrate this huge yeah. love i've got for my ch- for my children it was it was it, it was honestly without over exaggeration lucia it was like a type of death you feel physically dead inside and normally that kind of heart flutter that you get bursting from love or you feel like your heart could back backflip you know with joy i could i couldn't summon that anymore i i i couldn't feel it and i couldn't summon it because it's it's something that you you can't really summon it either happens or it doesn't but when it didn't it, when it stopped happening i tried to force it and tried to logic myself <laughs> why the fuck aren't you happy you know you're doing something super cute for god's sake you know and and your brain kind of understands that they're being amazing etc but your body's like got nothing yeah and that's a that's a, a terrifying place i think for for any parent for any human to be yeah. but certainly for for parents to be because if your kids stop doing it for you you know for for a while then you know you've got a problem and that kind of hopelessness is what i'm hearing from quite a mm. lot of people that they feel that they're just there's no way out of that mm-hmm. but yep. like you said when we're in that mind all the time and we're mm-hmm. trying so hard to originally push away the emotion because we're trying to listen to the mind yep. we don't express the emotion we don't feel the emotion so it just yeah. gets suppressed everywhere and mm-hmm. different people it comes out in a different way either you go completely low and you don't feel anything we mm-hmm. become very overwhelmed and you become very anxious this is the stories mm-hmm. that we're hearing so this is yep. i think the fact that you were feeling you were going down but you really mm-hmm. didn't feel that there was much you could do about it you just it was becoming like there's no way out of this is when mm-hmm. it can get terrifying and i would say to anybody do get some support with that because it doesn't have to be like that It's, do you know what what was what made it more difficult to admit that there was a problem was it technically on paper i had everything that i thought a perfect kind of wonder woman 
should have. I had a career that, that I was launching back into that I was told I was good at. It's what I've been doing for 20 years. Um, I was doing something creative. I had the immense privilege of doing something creative, which so many creative people don't have. I have three amazing kids and a bonus son as well, my stepson Oscar, um, an amazing, loving, wonderful, unconditionally loving husband that I'm just waiting for the day when he discovers I'm not as cool as you think I am. <laughs> That's um, really, let that one go. <laughs> another conversation. In this moment. But all those things, and you think, what right do I have to feel like this? You know, because I can't, I can't complain about a headache because there are people starving in Africa and people have to walk a mile for water. Um, you know, I can't complain about, uh, about being stressed out with the kids because there are people who don't have kids in which they could. You know, there's always this comparison to people who have it worse and that somehow because news from around the world is in our pocket constantly and we have this comparison no longer to our little community, but to the entire freaking planet. <laughs> so you think, of course, of course, you're going to, to fall flat on your face in comparison, um, either to someone who has it better than you, which makes you think that what, you, what you've achieved isn't enough, or somebody who's suffering more than you, which makes you feel guilty for suffering on whatever level you happen to be. Um, and I think it's, it's just, I know social media has many benefits, but Christ, it's a, it's a curse in many others. Mm -hmm. um because it's put us... got that analytical mind who absorbs information for sure and has for a big sure. heart like we know you have passion there's got to be even more compassion yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's also the way that we are designed uh i recently took this course uh by the university of, of yale about you know the, the science behind happiness which is of course spoke my language uh yeah. but you know one of the things that we do is just look out for those reference points. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Our brain is not going to look for a reference point within your ecosystem that is going to reassure what you're really thinking. Mm -hmm. What you're mm -hmm. going to do is exactly what you described. You're just going to go you know, full extreme. On the one hand, you're going to look for people who have it far worse than you. Therefore, that's going to trigger your guilt. Or you're going to look for people that have it 10 gazillion times better than you. So you're going to mm -hmm. get that feeling of, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and it does take a lot of rewiring to get your brain to start kind of challenging those facts and challenging those so-called facts that you're seeing around you. Um, but I guess that the good news is that it can be done. You can't, your brain is malleable and you can rewire it to start appreciating the things that you need in your life. There's and absolutely, um, and that's something you girls are very, very good at. Um, but I think it's worth pointing out as well that the other thing um, you two were brilliant at was celebrating the whole rainbow of emotions as as utterly valid, um, and not only valid but necessary. Like one of the, the people that that you put me onto, Glenn and Doyle, who I'm obsessed with now. Like she's in my back pocket all the time. Um, <laughs> but she said we've been brought up to only celebrate happy, shiny feelings and not any of the kind of sadness or ache or grief or frustration or anger or jealousy or what, you know, the whole gamut of what it is to be human. And we've been quashing those things down every time we feel them. And then there's a beautiful quote by that British psychologist 
who said something along the lines of, and I'm about to butcher it like I always do with, with quotes, but he said, he said, the emotion that isn't allowed to be felt through tears or expressed through tears will make other organs weak. And when I read that, I thought, oh, fuck, that's what I've been doing. That's why I have heartache and indigestion and joint pains. And my body is now like making physical movement more difficult. It's like, it's pulling me back going, just sit down and go the fuck to sleep. Just rest for us for a minute. Just give us, you know, time to regroup and stop trying to do everything. On the course, something that we do cover, the nervous system and the importance of rebalancing the nervous system because yep. nothing will work well. The brain wants, works like an orchestra. So if we don't yep. balance the nervous system, you only got the fight or flight part of your brain. So you're just squirting out the stress hormone all the time, hence mm. the pain in the joints. And it's a cycle of more fear. More, more pain, exactly. Stress. But what you, what you do also really well is, is bring up the very blatant elephant in the room, which is and I think this applies more to women than it does to men, but let's just say people for now. That's true. I like them. I miss them. I, I'm so gutted I didn't get to, to see them in the end. But anyway, um, there is this notion that I think applies especially to, to women that if you rest or if you take care of yourself in any capacity or God forbid book a manicure or something kind of, you know, a bit self-indulgent or something that, why do we feel guilty? Why do we feel guilty with that? Like if we're not taking care of someone else for like a millisecond, my toddler won't let me pee in peace. And I feel, I feel guilty if I tell him to go away because I want to pee in private, you know, without an audience. <laughs> we, need boundaries. Someone... <laughs> we need boundaries and we need self-care it's not selfish Completely. yeah and, so. and, I, and i think and i think that the fact that you highlighted the fact that we have nothing to give anyone else and really kind of cement that in to say unless your cup is full you have zero to give anyone else and to make it okay not only logically but viscerally to feel like not only is it okay but now it's mandatory if mommy doesn't get X number of hours of sleep, um, I'm not going to be a great mom. And if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, conversation ain't going to be fun. And if I <laughs> if I don't eat, if I don't, you know, if I get hangry, you know, which is like the, the hunger angry kind of thing. Which, I mean, woe betide anyone in my way if if that if that happens. So now I think being more in tune to oh, starting to feel this and oh, starting to feel that, and it's literally come to the point of I'll be doing the dishes. And think of something, and all of a sudden my stomach jumps. I'll put everything down and go, okay, everything quiet. And my stomach's talking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Awareness is so important, though, to help you manage those emotions. It is, you know, it's been life changing for me as well, just having that somatic awareness to know mm. what I need. Because like you, as I was totally blocked off from what I need. You know, if you've got a robotic mother who did do it all, mm. you, just, you just copy. You think that's the right way. You think that's the only way. And you feel mm -hmm. guilty because that's been a lived experience for so long. Yeah. yeah. I, even, yeah. I even saw it in my, in my seven-year-old daughter. So we have three boys in the house and one girl, bless her, who's seven years old. And she desperately wants their attention, especially the older two. And I saw her she hates football with a passion and they love it. And I saw her put on her trainers and say, I'm running out to play football with the boys. And I stopped her and I said, this is after the course. 
And I said, Boba, do you like football? She goes, well, no, not really. I said, so why are you running outside to play? And all of a sudden she bursts into tears. She says, I'll literally do anything for them to pay attention to me. And it broke my heart. And I just, compl- and thank God it was after your course <laughs> that this happened. But I sat her down on my lap and gave her a tight squeeze. And I said to her, Mamale, never, ever, ever, but never change anything about yourself to make other people love you. Because if they don't want to do what you're doing now, it doesn't mean that they don't love you. It just means that they're into different stuff. They're your brothers, your family. They love you, you know, by default. It's, it's, like, it's like part of the package of being family. We love each other regardless of what we're into. But the fact that already at the age of seven, she'd seen me contort myself and to do so many things, you know, for, for the kids or, or sometimes friends or certainly work at the expense of my health and my happiness. That I thought, shit, that's an example that's going to need to change. And kids learn from what they see, don't they? It doesn't matter what Completely. They, they learn from what they, that felt experience as well. Oh, they learn from what they see. Louder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from what they yeah. see, not what you tell them. Because, I mean, it's a mixture of both, obviously. But I think we sometimes forget, I think you're right, Leah, as, as mums, you forget the example that you set up for them. Um, you know, I'm also kind of, uh, I'm into positive psychology. And for me, it was a mind blow to learn that um, kind of like difference between being an optimist or a pessimist is learned at a very early age. And it comes from the mother in particular. Um, And the example that you set, not but what you say, which is very important, but also by what you do. So if your child is going to see you kind of, you know, confront a challenge and you're already the defeated, of course they are going to go out life being that yep. pessimistic person. Yep. And I think we just sometimes forget. We just think like, oh, you know, if I show up for a birthday celebration and put up a smile, things will be great. And if I continue to push myself, because again, there's that culture of particular women having to be super women and prove ourselves 10 times more than men just to show that we mm-hmm. can do the same job, if not, at the same level but better Mm -hmm. that is a pressure that we just put on ourselves and it makes you wonder what sort of example am I setting for the ones that are coming behind me like what am I teaching you oh it's it's once you know it's like one of those things that once you see it you can't unsee it and then you're hyper aware to it. And one of the books that you guys recommended was, was Shefali Sabri's Radical Awakening. And there was a podcast she was on with Jay Shetty. Yeah. And, and and I mentioned to Fleur as well, a lot of these women are like in their, in their midlife divorcing their husbands or changing sexuality completely and everything. And I thought, but I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't feel the need to do that. But then everyone around, I remember, I remember <laughs> texting Fleur going, but, I don't feel I want to be gay. And I, I don't want <laughs> and I don't I don't feel I want to leave my husband. And she said, I but you don't have to do that bit. You know, it's it's those women felt it was right for them. But but you have so many women who have gone through this this social conditioning. And I think regardless of what culture you're from, it varies in intensity. But but the the subliminal message, uh, like the amount of times I was quite a serious kid. I was always in my own world. I didn't need anyone. I was in my own world creating whatever glitter wallpaper or something. And the amount of times that someone said, 
you know, it'd be so much prettier if you smiled more. And I remember looking up going, but there's nothing funny. Why would I, <laughs> why would I smile <laughs> Love like, that. like randomly walking down the street like this? How, like, that's a bit freaky. <laughs> that's not, not what I feel like doing. But, but kind of growing up and after teenagehood, I remember starting to smile more to the point because I realized I was getting a friendlier response from other people. But a part of me always resented having to do that. And now I, I smile whenever I, I please, obviously, and I can't really fake it. But, um, but I think the message of being the pleasant one, being the, the caring one, being the quiet one, huh? and, uh, and being the, the self-sacrificing one, the nurturing one, um, all those things that involve everyone else but us, everyone else. And I was like, at what point does someone say the one, the one who heals herself? who fills herself up first, the one who self-nourishes, who self-educates, the one who builds a community of supportive women around and Christ women need women. I cannot even tell you how much I have. I'm lucky enough to have eight really, really close girlfriends that I can tell everything to with no judgment. And I know for really close girlfriends, that's a lot, but it's taken me years and years to find them. Um, And I think women generally are pitted against each other when it comes to achievements because there's so little place relative to men in society and in the workplace for women compared to to men that we're like we're barking at each other you know to and if we see a woman succeed all of a sudden we raise an eyebrow because it's a threat to our position men don't have like men they don't have that existence so I think re-educating girls uh so that they grow up into much healthier supportive women not only of themselves but of each other um, is, is certainly a mind shift and something that you girls did uh, on the course really well to kind of take a step back and to realize we are nothing without each other. We don't have any support system if it's not through other people who might or might not be going through what we went through. But, um, but I think from soul to soul, that there's an important type of communication that, that has mm-hmm. to happen in order for you to see things objectively enough so that you can you can kind of go through the learning of that of that phase and come out the other side yeah it's all about we all have those different values don't we and we do that on the course that Mm we all have values and different strengths to bring to the group and let's Mm -hmm. use each other's strengths instead Mm -hmm. of you know competing against each other to Mm -hmm. kind of bring us all up we don't need to compete with each other but I think because we've always felt not good enough and looking for that approval Mm. there is more fear and that's where the competition sets Mm. in yeah but is the understanding that you I think you you both raised a really good point and it's understanding that we are all different different values different strengths and I think, and you know, I see this in the corporate world as well, many, many times, every time that you've got a review is about how you can do better. What are the areas that you're not good at? And how can we bump them up? Instead mm. of focusing on, no, no, these are the areas that you are really good at, let's mm. enhance them. And is that understanding as well is, I don't need to be good at everything. If these five are my core strengths and values, I'm going to go for it because guess what? Mm-hmm. If I'm good at this and if I work on this, I'm going to get 10 times better. You go mm-hmm. and watch me. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the beauties of, you know, partnering and understanding that 
by working together, by being together, you build on each other. I think, you know, that's one of the beautiful things that Fleur and I discovered and hence decided to do a, a business together because we are very different in many, many ways, but we complement each other so nicely in the way we go at life and see the world and you know it's frequently if I am down she'll be the one bringing me up if she's down I'll be the one bringing her up and I think that's that's the beauty of life is understanding that you're not alone and that you've got a really huge support network if you want to look out for it that will help you what I'm hearing you say right at the beginning it's when you're in that survival and everything starts shutting down you can't thrive I'm so sorry. My toddler, my toddler is about to get crashed. This call once like, hey, like, you didn't hit anyone. Great, this is the, like achievement of a Friday. I didn't hit anyone in nursery. Yay! Hooray! Good, Good work. work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's an achievement. Before hello, before hello, I didn't hit anyone. Hi, <laughs> you didn't hit. Well done, baby. Are you say hi, hi. How are you? Great achievement. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, my, my mama's mama's on a call my love so you go play and i'll be with you in a few minutes okay i'll be i'll be right back you can have an ice cream if you want no mama's not going in the shop sorry <laughs> Bless how beautiful is that so what i was just saying is what i was hearing right at the beginning is that you were in that when you're in that survival mode mm-hmm. everything starts shutting down especially mm-hmm. that aliveness that somatics teaches us you know mm-hmm. that that life force if you want to call it the aliveness the energy it starts your going. Your, your body just everything that you are and I think you 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 help me realize how this is 90% of who I am this is where I live and and mm-hmm. just to to tune into that and to pay attention to how much information is is held inside and how much response to previous experience is still pent inside that's holding me back from moving forward and because I never allowed that to surface because it was unpleasant um it sat and grew and like compost you know kind of fermented and heap and it was just yeah so so when the first couple of times when we started to even not even talking about releasing it but just to acknowledge that it was there and just to Get your brain to sit down on the side bench <laughs> because there's when you when you took me through the first somatic meditation, the second I started to feel viscerally something coming up that was unpleasant. <laughs> it's literally like my brain jumped in and went, "Okay, pause, 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 pause. This is unpleasant. I know. Let's go make a cappuccino and we'll go and sit down on the sofa with a little book and everything and we'll just we'll part this aside this we don't need to deal with this crap because it's not fun no. um and I literally had to physically take the brain and kind of move it aside <laughs> and go shut up <laughs> sit on the side um but once you get used to doing that and you realize how your brain really has your best intentions at heart but it's utterly misguided when, when it comes to to dealing with um crap basically yeah and um and the ego takes over and the ego wants to be super happy all the time that's all it wants mm-hmm. um so so yes it, it was a very a colorful experience and i say that only because i experienced it in certain colors uh, uh, that kind of came up around certain emotions um but it 
all of a sudden you realize how much has been going on below the eyebrows. Mm. <laughs> that, that is is where it turns out there's a party like in the flat below you that you always had the invitation to be you just chose never to attend because it sounded a bit noisy. And then you go and you go, oh my God, they're rainbows <laughs> and sparkles <laughs> and stars. And I want to live here more. And then the brain can come and visit whenever. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that, that yeah, it, it was, it was a beautiful awakening. Connection. Yeah, that true connection to yourself, isn't it? And stop, you mm-hmm. know, that negative mind coming in mm-hmm. and spoiling the party. <laughs> and, and by party, I don't mean that it's a happy place all the time. I mean that yeah. it made me feel not only okay with, but I started looking forward to the to the negative emotions, to the bad experiences that come up and giving them space and being aware. It's like you have a stage inside your heart now that, or at least I do, <laughs> that, that, that you say, oh, something's bubbling up, step aside, everyone take a seat <laughs> and, and, and take a look who's coming onto stage now. Mm. Um, and then you let, you let it be there and you see what colors it brings up and what feelings it brings up, what particular experience it was in response to and you just sit with it for a while and then it will gradually fade like a cloud that's off with the weather change. Um, but even allowing myself to, to experience that and not just going, oh, I'm feeling mildly nauseous at that experience. So let's just, you know, cerebrically say, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Just, you know, suppress, suppress. I can't even do that anymore. I can, I can, like my stomach will, as that your body as your mind book said, override my mind and say, this isn't going away, sweetheart. So we can either sit down and pay attention or you're going to have indigestion for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you sit down and pay attention. Yeah, the, mind, the body is very clever. That's what anxiety is, really. It's an alarm system mm-hmm. that something has to change. The low mood yep. is, a, is, is, a, is a learning. So those yep. feelings are, are, are a teacher. But if we don't ever allow them to come up, we just close and close and close. Completely. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much. Because I think it's a, it's a great reminder. <laughs> yeah but I think you both were, were putting out that a great reminder because sometimes a on the one hand we are so used to as you were saying Lee celebrating the quote-unquote good emotions everybody mm-hmm. is with you when you're happy smiley and feeling like you know mm-hmm. on top of the world now show up crying or in anger the world is not so friendly. Well, guess what? You're a full range of emotions. So either you start recognizing, acknowledging and paying attention to each and every mm-hmm. one of those or they'll find a way to come up with full strength. And I think that physical emotion, uh, a physical reaction is so important because, uh, you know, the number of times I speak to a client is like, oh, I'm okay, I'm just tired, you know. Well, you know, constant tiredness could be a way mm-hmm. of anxiety showing up, of stress showing up, of, mm-hmm. you know, that sadness or anger showing up. So mm-hmm. you need to start asking and paying attention to yourself and realizing, mm-hmm. okay, I'm having a headache for a week now. What is going on? It's not like the change of weather, which sometimes yep. you get. But, you know, it's about asking and questioning yourself. If I'm having these things kind of coming up, uh, from a physical level because that's the one that we are more more used to pay attention to then mm. maybe it's time for you to start questioning what might be underneath it and we know it's not easy to do it alone which is why Flair and I would always recommend go and speak to somebody that can't help you understand mm. those because it is sometimes a dark 
place to go to. And you, as you were saying, Lee, you may not want to do it because it feels nauseous. It doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. Once you allow yourself to join that party and become acquainted mm-hmm. with every single attendee, that's when the party starts becoming fun. That's when yep. you are like, you know what? I can actually stay here and have a good time, even though that one in the corner over there doesn't yep. look like a friendly guy. But you can tolerate that friendly guy. So I think Completely. you can yeah. still have a conversation with them. But even more so, one of the things I think it was on the even the first or maybe second group session um, that you said something along the lines of there's no medal for martyring yourself. <laughs> you know, to like stress is not a, like uh, a life goal. <laughs> this is not this is not where you want to be but but we've been conditioned so much that if we're running around like crazed rabbits with that kind of glazed look in our eyes that somehow we're doing it right because because it must mean that you know we're 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 crushing life if we since when is being busy the the like the end goal i mean yeah, being busy in terms of doing something that you're interested in reading a book I mean Christ having uninterrupted reading when the kids are in school that's like that's one of my life goals (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's just this this kind of martyring yourself to to look like a frazzled rat at the end of of a long day and having accomplished zero really because you're doing 10% of so many different things um, and then being pissed off in the evening and exhausted and wake up, you know, after speckled sleep just to do it again the next day. And then you wonder why you're pissed off and knackered. Um, and you look around going, technically, I don't really have any reason to be pissed off and knackered. Oh, and that reminds me of that journaling thing that you got, you got us to do. The, uh, what you love, uh, what not so much, what went well, what not so well. And in the beginning you think, well, I am going to vent the crap out of this journal and I'm going to write down. <laughs> everything that did not go well and after writing it's very clever because you get us to write down the positive stuff first so all of a sudden you're in this lovely feeling you know kind of float and then you go into the stuff that didn't go well and you went okay so this happened but then by the end of that sentence you you realize because this happened I realized x so actually it's not really a bad thing and was actually kind of a good thing although it didn't feel like it at the time but it is a good thing because now I know Da, 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 da. And then, Flora, like you said at the time, you'll realize that nothing is really bad, that everything is kind of awesome and, and kind of good. And on the days, I don't do it every day, in all honesty. I do it kind of every couple of days. Um, and, um, and on the days that I do it, it kind of ties me over for a couple of days. And maybe I've kind of found this particular rhythm that for now works and that will change. Not even a maybe, it will change. Um, also lots of people said on the course didn't they and, and I find the same thing you you think you've had a bad day and then mm-hmm. you write down all the positives and you can only think of two negatives and you're like oh I didn't really have a bad day but I'm really really focused on those two bad things that happened mm-hmm. and disproportionately like like they you magnify this like you're looking at them through a magnifying glass and looking at the good things with the with the like the reverse end of a telescope to make them that tiny because I think we're evolutionarily hardwired to only focus on the bad for survival, mm-hmm. but we haven't lived in caves for a while. So and we haven't had to deal with saber-toothed tigers for equally as long, but we're still hardwired that way. So to, to kind of, Especially and we've, I think- spent, any stress in your childhood, you'll look even that part of your brain will be hyper-vigilant for any negativity. 
Yeah. And I, and I think there's a lot of parental conditioning for better or for worse that, you know, a, a lot of people tend to blame their parents for a lot. And I always thought there comes a point where you are now an adult and it's time to take responsibility for yourself. So yes, your parents may have done X, Y, and Z. You might've had X, Y, and Z experiences in school, which were awful, a whole gamut of something. But when you, when you stop kind of projecting onto everyone else to make it their fault, and then you reclaim authority over what happens next and to say, oh, there's one I, I, from the other fantastic book, Edith Eager, um, mm. the Holocaust survivor who's now a psychologist. And she has this beautiful quote, suffering is inevitable, but everyone has it. Victimhood is optional. Yeah. And that's just that's goddamn that needs to quotes. be. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. So... <laughs> <laughs> Especially had my books that you've read since you've been on the course. <laughs> oh, but, but, but you know the ones who really kind of all of a sudden feel like they chime with your heart and you go, oh, hell, I'm tattooing that on my forehead. That, that's, that's, I want everyone to see it when they, when they, you know, for themselves <laughs> and for me to see it in the mirror because it's so, it's so true, your attitude towards whatever happens, good or bad. Uh, especially bad, but your attitude will dictate your life. You just reminded me of the Helen Keller quote. Did I say it earlier that, you know, uh, the world is full of suffering, but it's also full of overcoming, which I love. Yeah. And Christ, if she can have the amazing life she had, deaf, dumb and blind, I mean, come on. Yeah. And we're even complaining. Exactly. We get to see colour. I know. But we tap, we, 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 when we did the somatics and when we do the course, we do very talk much about tapping into that that resourceful side of us the, the, the mm. resourceful side of us that we forget that we've actually got because mm. once we start becoming more tired more stressed more um overwhelmed mm. we stick with that wounded kind of side so we do kind of get you to remember that yeah. resourceful yeah. side and tap into that which is why the somatic works because it's going back to that connection of the strength mm. Yeah. being aware of where the bits are that mm -hmm. have been blocked with emotion and you also realize that whatever event happened was just a one-off event like it doesn't dictate the rest of your life that you don't allow it to define you oh and that reminds me sorry, before i forget i feel like a, a squirrel on a nut hunt you know what kind of oh and there's one here, <laughs> it's there's good, one it's here. Good. <laughs> but there's um and uh, yeah forgive me i don't remember through which one of the lessons or which one of the podcasts or books or something that that it came my way throughout the course but um there's something about the roles that we play as human beings be it the mother the wife the daughter the friend the lover uh the sister uh the class rep wh wh whatever it happens to be that we've somehow confused those roles with our identity with who we are as a person we've allowed ourselves to be defined by it which I realize now is really dangerous because when you do that, if one of those roles vanishes or changes, what does that mean? You've disappeared too? Is that like yeah. the fashion designer role, isn't it? Yeah. If I'm not a fashion designer, what am I? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm not that. I'm like a floating. And then through one of, one of those sessions, I learned to literally do a meditation where I'm imagining that I'm taking off the roles like I'm taking off clothes. And just laying them on the bed to decide which one am I going to wear today. And I'll wear the mothering one for an hour. And then I'll wear the artist for another hour here. And then I'm going to wear uh, the cook one for this hour. And then we're going to be the friend one. For 
And you literally, and all of a sudden, when you take all of them off, you feel really a, a little bit kind of wary because you feel like this floaty cloud that's uncontainable. And all of a sudden, you realize, but oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> the fact that yeah. that you're not containable, <laughs> and there's this, it's like it's like you're this fluid whirlwind that kind of whizzes through life and absorbs a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and oh, that experience wasn't fun. We won't repeat that. And yeah. it's it becomes this glorious, you realize that none of those defined who you are as a human being. And that's an incredibly liberating, like it took me a, a minute, you know, to, to, to internalize that. But once you do, I mean, I've become okay with not working for the next six months and also not knowing what comes after the next six months. Um, and I've gradually and surely, not completely, but certainly heading in the right direction, gotten rid of a lot of the guilt I put on myself for not working and my husband grunting, mm. you know, the, the all <laughs> financial <laughs> obligation in our family. Um, and, um, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and that is so, and I love that is beautiful. Courage to be curious. When do we ever stop and have the courage to be curious? Never. But I think there's two words that come to mind that I think really bring home what you were saying. On the one hand, is understanding that you can choose. So it's the choosing. Mm -hmm. That none of that defines you. You get to choose what, who, where you want to be today. Mm -hmm. And the other one is accountability which is a scary word for many, but in Tuesday also comes the responsibility, doesn't it? And I think that's the beautiful bit when you truly understand that it's not your mum or your dad, it's not your boss who was not too fair to you, it's not your children who are misbehaving to you, it's yourself that you've got to hold accountable for. And you can only hold yourself accountable for so many things then that's when the world starts changing things get shaping and you get to understand that you get to see what you want to do in this and world and be like you've got to look after that's yourself, power isn't it mm-hmm. that's why you've got to look after yourself if we're so responsible yeah. for how we show up then we have to be responsible yeah it's a yeah. before before we show up we, we have to make sure we are we are full in ourselves. Otherwise, we're being, we're, we might as well be transparent. We're not really there because we don't have anything to give. And if um, we're not but, responsible but, sometimes, we're not responsible sometimes because we're human and we get it wrong. And that's okay. completely, completely. And it's, and it's something so, oh, it's such a relief. It's such a relief to, to just, to be okay with whatever it is and not to, not to stress and hypothesize, oh, I have, to, I have to worry about this and I have to worry about that because if this happens, then I'll do that. But if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to do that. And it's, it's like this neurotic it? conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's exhausting. There's, on that note, Byron Katie, by the way, which is one of the many that you've recommended and the work. Amazing. Super amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> letting go, letting go of all of that and really dreaming into what's the reality because I think that's the other bit. Like, what we build up in our heads, the situations mm-hmm. we come up with, the side effects, the challenges, the outcomes, mm-hmm. compared to what the reality is, oh my God, it's abysmal. And the relief that comes from realizing, hang on a minute, mm-hmm. this is the reality of what happened here. This is what was said. This is what mm-hmm. you know was intended, if you wish. 
And this is what I built. And the really like physically, the relief, the space that comes of your body in realizing that it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that badly intended. The reality wasn't that. It's like, ah, oh, I get it. It's it's not, you know, when, when people say, oh, I'm not a creative or I, I don't have that creative ability. Bullshit. I think the alternative realities that everyone creates just are testament to the fact that everyone is so freaking creative because if they can come up with these crazy alternatives to reality on the daily, like on the hourly, I mean, everyone is is a freaking creative genius. <laughs> right there. Especially women, that. and we create so many stories that keep us yep. full and scared uh-huh. and protected. And if, and if you have multiple children, there's a whole, there's like 10 stories for each one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, Lee, no. thank you so, so much. much. Yeah. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Uh, thank you, girls. Privilege. You were such a privilege to have on the course. And I, oh, I thank, thank you. you for trusting us and coming on the course as well, because we know that's for everybody. It's, I will be, and, and I'm so thrilled to have met as well some lovely people on the course. And I hope in the catch up session in two weeks' time, yeah, um, uh, that I get to see see them again um, from all over. I think there's one from Chicago, um, various ones scattered across the, the country. Um, and it's just, it was lovely. And I like the fact that it was men and women, that it wasn't wholly female, because with all due respect to feminism, and I am a staunch feminist. I think there's an awful lot to be said with helping our fellow men um, understand life better and understand the roles that they've been conditioned into as well. Um, and if we can help each other out as kind of equal on, uh, on the journey, then, uh, then it would be a much, a much happier outcome. So thank you both for putting the course together and for inviting me along. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lee. Pleasure. Thanks for being with us today. Pleasure. Have a lovely weekend, girls. Thank you for your time. Lots of pleasure. Bye. And thank you to our listeners for listening one more week. Thank you for sharing your love and appreciation. And please share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it. Like, leave a comment and subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe and stay inspired. Much love.